Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to the September 2nd edition of the AAPI GoCast. Uh, with me this week are our hosts, uh, Eugene. Hello. And Raphael. Hello, everybody. Yep, so no guest host this week, uh, just us three. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been, been a little while since you've been on the podcast, Eugene. Uh, what, what have you been shooting lately? So I haven't been shooting anything like crazy um but i recently did order something new i can't wait to get a uh 10 mil pistol caliber carbine nice Ooh, from like switzerland the nice. uh, bnt apc 10 uh arrived at my ffl last week i'm just waiting on a call they've been swamped uh trying to like intake a bunch of orders recently so i'm just patiently waiting yep Oh, that's a that's a very nice gun. Very nice. Um, yeah, I haven't gotten anything new recently. Uh, but I did spend uh spend some time in the lovely South, uh, last weekend, and I got some trigger time behind, an M9A1 and a Tokarev, but chambered in nine millimeter. And out of the two, the Beretta was obviously much nicer, but the Tokarev is really really good. Um, the recoil is basically nothing. Uh, and it's just a very, very good-feeling gun to shoot. The ergonomics are awful, um, best used for political prisoners, obviously, but um, I was very impressed. It also doesn't help that the Tokarev's uh, breakdown and cleaning is a bit of a pain in the ass. The recoil um, mitigation, if I remember correctly, is due to a kind of protoed roller delay blowback system. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so the the proto rollback system it, it it works. The recoil is barely there. It's absolutely crazy. You you wouldn't expect it. Um, and breaking it down was actually super easy. I had it apart and back together in the five minutes that I you know had before shooting it. Really wasn't a big deal at all. Nice. Uh, yeah. Didn't you say like last week you you ordered one or uh, a Tokarev or something, or you bid on one? Oh no no no. Um we don't talk about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, more, so, well, more specifically, uh, I, I, guess that. Okay. I, I don't I don't legally I don't legally own any of these guns, but I, I did buy them and then when I move to the state I will transfer them to me. Fair so enough. I don't legally own them, but we have an we have an agreement that I will transfer them to myself when I move there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty, that's, actually, uh, that's a thing uh, a lot of people like don't my, know uh... you can do. Uh, so if you if you are in a state where you can't buy a gun and you'd like it, uh, you can have somebody else buy it and then legally transfer it to yourself when you're there or you know when circumstances permit. That's totally legal because there's no straw purchasing happening. You're simply using a third party as a, uh, hey, will you buy this legally and then can I buy it from you legally? Well, it's good to know. I mean, that, that's kind of like the middleman service that uh, I have to use for anything that's like off roster or, uh, you know, considered an assault weapon in California, uh, including my PS90, which I actually got to, I got half of it this week. So I'm excited about that. Uh, due to the weird process of it, uh, the upper had to go to my FFL and the lower is uh, coming to my house. Uh, which is weird, um, because, you know, essentially it's like I did most of the California compliance, but 
the final step is it has to be you you basically have to pin and weld a barrel extension onto it for it to be totally compliant um so yeah, to pin and weld waiting on that last step so it was really weird yep yep it, it was just really weird like going into the, my the ffl and yeah <laughs> it, exactly i mean it was like I, I i got half a gun though so i mean it's uh almost there hey there you go no, you know what? Good luck finding well, ammo Well, the thing that sucks is, like, impossible. I found out you Oh, yeah. Well, I wonder if it's going to be more difficult to find that or, uh, 7, uh, 6, 2 by 39 due to the Russian ammo ban. 7, 6, 2 by 39 well, we have some domestic production, and there's a whole lot made in Ukraine, Bulgaria, and Romania, so the Russian ban, that's a whole other story. By the way, uh, I wrote a piece for, about the Russian ammo ban. Uh, it's on our Substack, on my Substack, and I believe it's on our blog on the website as well. Uh, definitely check it out. I think I broke it down pretty well. Yep. Why this is a big deal, why this is bad, and why this is actually kind of racist. So, uh, moving on into news this week, because we have a short episode today. There's one really big item uh, yes. that a lot of people are really happy about, and I think it's going to be kind of the best source of data in the future for this type of thing. Of course, I'm talking about... Constitutional carry is now a thing in Texas. Yep. Too bad Malcolm isn't here to celebrate since he's originally from there. Yeah, he's got to be really happy right now. Um, yeah, but a lot of people didn't know yeah. that Texas didn't already like have that. But back. now in Texas, if you're 21 or over and you legally own the gun, you can carry it as it should be. Yeah, no, it, it's it's great news. I mean, uh it, for for Texans, of course, um, we will be kind of interesting to see uh, that uh, just kind of fly in the face of, you know, doom and gloom statistics about open carry, considering uh, the population is uh, ever growing and uh, many California migrants going that way. Yeah, well, here's here's what I'm curious about. Well, you have 29 million people in Texas, right? You've got relatively low homicides for mm -hmm. that population. So now we basically get to find out if. It's actually the death trap people say it is. Like, if there's a huge spike in firearms homicides, well, then we'll know. If there isn't, we'll also know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's just kind of surprising that, you know, you would always think... I had always thought that Texas already had open carry, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, it'll be cool to, cool to see that. More reason to visit. Um... Well, speaking of uh, other states represented by the podcast, um, the University of Pennsylvania actually put out an interesting study uh, citing the fact that home repairs reduce crime in impoverished areas. Um, the study looked at uh, Philadelphia's basic systems repair program, um, and it provides grants to low-income individuals uh, for uh, home repairs and uh, correlated with a reduction in crime. So it's sort of like the broken windows theory uh actually panning out yeah that is uh trying not to dox myself too much uh, exactly in my stomping grounds um yeah who would have thought that having a program that helps uh poverty-stricken families keep their homes in order and in working condition and not having the struggling to pay off you know different things would keep those same members of the poverty-stricken class from committing crimes it's also a big shame that I that just have a question. same, yes, yeah, well, you, you, uh, you and it's also ahead. a shame this that that same program bad. is uh, now getting a cut. That's awful. Um, yeah, wait, would you bad. call this 
uh, Broken Windows Policing, then? Would that be an accurate name for this program? <laughs> that is that is one way you can put it. Yeah, I think it's like the good kind. <laughs> but uh, who knows? If you fix the windows, it turns out crime also reduces. Yeah. yeah <clears throat> well, that's that's another interesting thing. We should really do like mini episodes or like deep dives into these. Because um, I think we're, yeah. we're kind of... Obviously, we have time limitations today, but I think some kind of deep dive into the like the statistics maybe scripted would be really cool. Yeah, just to, and not you know, to, to an delve like too deep into it. Violence, exactly. But when you take a look at where a lot of the shootings within the city occur, um, a lot of like the kind of reoccurring spots, you always notice like two things right off the bat. First, you look at the housing and kind of the roads. And you can tell immediately right off the bat, this is not an area that the city cares about at all. Um, trash all over the ground. Most of the homes that you can see are either in disrepair or about to be in disrepair. Um, and the second thing you notice is that most of the perpetrators and the culprits are either really young kids who have joined the uh, drug and crime game to support themselves and their families or our older gentlemen who have been in the game for a while and have, you know, their numbers finally rung up. Yeah, it's... Yeah, really, it's, uh, I mean, it's interesting, for, too. Like, self-central L.A. Yeah. It's true. Well, yeah, I mean, there was actually, like, I remember um, in self-central L.A., which they rebranded to South L.A. because it was so bad, they kind of did a similar thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, like, not nearly as bad as it was in the 90s uh, where, you know, you kind of think of the stereotypical Grand Theft Auto San Andreas type climate. It's kind of gone away for the most part. Um, I think it's like spiking a little bit now due to the pandemic, but you know, they kind of did a similar program where they just retrofitted low income businesses and housing and uh, worked out pretty well in uh, most areas. And what I like about this is it's, it's not just gentrification doing it because that also, you know, kind of unfortunately, does seem to have an impact on crime in certain areas, but then you're pushing up the people who actually live there, whereas this is actually, like, giving people in the neighborhood, like, an incentive to stay, which is really cool. Cool. 100%. Uh, Obviously, there's some political, political lean behind that, too, because, you know, some folks in the red area may, may say, oh, this is just socialism, and, I mean, they have a point, uh, but I think investing in people's homes and businesses is can be seen as less of a handout and more of an actual investment uh simply because of you know you have to use less state resources if you're doing well um maybe maybe some actuaries should do some numbers on this but moving on uh we also have august 2021 gun sales are the second best on record period ever happy birthday to me that's awesome Yeah, dude, the, the statistics are saying about, you know, so far, 1.3 million guns in August. 2021 is also on track to beat 2019 overall. Not 2020, but essentially there were 12.4 million background checks done in 2019 for a full year. And this year we're already on track for 13.2. Yeah. Um, so sorry, yay gun sales. These numbers are awkwardly, awkwardly worded. I'm just like, okay, yep, yep, that looks right. <clears throat> yeah, um, so basically guns are bigger than ever. Lots more people are buying them than ever. This is a good thing, and this means that 
turns out you cannot it's not going to be like the the easy run, one and done issue anymore you can't just say you know hey guns are bad people you should take them out of our neighborhoods because half of the people you're talking to probably either own one or have one on them and i think that's going to be uh not necessarily a big change in the near future but i think it'll definitely inform some political choices and campaign choices down the road yeah definitely i mean it's kind of hard to see a scenario where people are going to vote to take away something they just invested a lot of time and training and effort into pursuing um unless things get dramatically better uh with the economy and everything else going on exactly cool. all right well, that's also right. another good thing i can't wait to Moving see september when people start getting see. bored and getting inside yeah, well, I mean, that might be worse inside in California there as soon as our uh, recall election for our lovely Governor Newsom is over. Uh, that's the big rumors that, uh, you know, they're kind of keeping everything open, including schools, um, until after the election. Oh, yeah, and then like they're just going to political know, flip ploy. the switch again. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. We got our well, governor it's out before weird you too. guys. I, I kind of can't yeah. believe it. You know, yeah, we, well, we, I mean, we got him out. Newsom's not Italian by any chance, is he? No, sadly, no, he can't make know. the Italian excuses. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, your your governor behaved like a French whore. Ours just went to French Laundry. Yeah, French Laundry's supposed to be, like, super high-end, right? Yeah, it's, uh... I mean, it's, like, one of those, like, five Michelin star restaurants out in Napa Valley, and you have to make reservations months in advance and it's something like three thousand dollars per person for the dinner um wow. it's just like some really awesome like multi-course pan-crafted french inspired uh haute cuisine meal um so i mean totally worth doing like maybe once in your life but yeah definitely more of a super special hmm. occasion thing yeah glad uh newsom got to enjoy that well elderly asians were beat on the streets yeah really gives you a yeah, sense of true equality and you know the american dream right there Mm-hmm. yeah uh, he's been doing a bunch of uh sort of chinatown tours and like tours of different areas and things like that just to you know drum of support for not recalling him and uh you know somebody like flat out asked him about uh you know what are you planning to do for asian americans and uh his response was something like oh yeah we're already doing enough for that uh you know we've increased patrols blah 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 and just kind of blew them off uh so i'm surprised too like because he got attacked a couple of weeks ago too when he was in oakland by like some random homeless person who probably otherwise would be just uh attacking other people but uh didn't seem to have an impact you know maybe that homeless person was actually extremely peaceful and you know he just had it out for this one guy i'd i hate to make assumptions uh, a lot of people make would make an exception to that <laughs> for newsom uh yeah so yeah, the cdc maybe, director maybe um <clears throat> the cdc director rochelle walensky uh recently cited the need to study gun violence in america calling it a serious public health threat uh, Rochelle was appointed by Joe Biden uh, the day he was elected or sworn in, and since then has made no secret of her political proclivities and is now trying to leverage the CDC's power even more to try to uh, 
influence gun legislation, which is a, a damn shame. Recently, the CDC has also been known for trying to illegally extend eviction moratoriums and getting slapped down by the Supreme Court. Uh, so yeah, we're seeing uh, essentially a disease control agency taking massive control during a pandemic. Who would have thunk? Yeah, I mean, it's like, I have no idea how they would do anything. I mean, but yes, I mean, I guess we probably do need like more gun research study, but like not from the CDC with a clear political agenda. Not really sure what that's going to add to the conversation. I would be happy to see more statistics on gun usage, um, in de like defensive gun usages, uh, especially those are very neglected. We have tons of data on gun violence and how it's executed uh, in, you know, who, what demographics, what cities, what number of people for whatever. Uh, but we don't really have much context on those usages, and I think that's something that maybe CDC resources would be better served towards uh, or better utilized doing is finding out, you know, so, so there are, you know, 3,000 gun deaths a year in this state. How many of those were defensive and how many of those were legally justified? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, biasing the thesis uh, by assuming, uh, you know, if it's a, I mean, she called it a pub serious public health issue and something has to be done about it, which, you know, you kind of don't really want your heads of bureaucratic departments having an objective opinion like that. Hence why we're also against David Shipman, you know? You kind of want someone neutral in that position. Yeah. I have to say, I do agree with her right. that guns are a serious public health issue. Having a gun can be just as effective, if not more effective, at protecting your life and the lives of those around you than a mask. Uh, and, you know, we shouldn't politicize masks, and we shouldn't politicize guns. Shut up. Uh, buy a gun, learn to carry it responsibly, and do your duty to the people around you to protect them. It's very simple. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it also sort of, I mean, ah, not going not to try to tie the gun violence thing to uh, rape prevention, but, uh, you know, there's that. Well, hey, it's better to... It's Considering better to, the other law... It's better to so. have one, not need one, than need one and not have one. The saying is old as time exactly. and still very good. Indeed. All right. Uh, moving on then to other elderly people, um, the NRA canceled their uh, annual meeting uh, due to COVID. Um, they released a statement at least blaming COVID, but in fact, uh, the Daily Beast and other outlets like The Reload were reporting that uh, the main reason they actually dropped out was due to, you know, essentially tons of manufacturers, including Benelli, Beretta, Sig, and Ruger dropping out of what is their largest event uh, annually in terms of fundraising. Uh, they typically get about like 35,000 people. So kind of uh, expected, I guess, with everything else sort of shutting down in silos due to the Delta variant. But uh, not, not a good look for the NRA when they are coming out of uh, failed bankruptcy and moving to Texas attempt. Yeah, the NRA... Uh... I don't see them as being the kinds of people who are scared of COVID in general, and especially not, uh, you know, the Delta variant. I think this may be more of a political move, um, perhaps to save some cash, but who knows? Yeah. The NRA's ways are mysterious well, and not by the minds of us mortal men. Indeed. 
You know, although I, I, w I wouldn't say no if we ever get to the point where they're offering us uh, free passes to the convention. I mean, it seems like that could be an interesting time just you know, to go check it out. They're not explicitly against our side. They still at least pay lip service to gun ownership. And I have to admit, they take a lot of the heat from other gun groups. Uh, if the NRA didn't exist, FPC would be in the news every day for promoting violence or, you know, uh, you know, wanting people to get killed in the streets or something. And instead, the NRA takes that heat, and I really can't thank them enough for that because other groups who, you know, yeah. get things done can do it in peace and quiet, and I really appreciate that. Thank you, NRA, from the bottom yeah. of my heart. <laughs> I, I'd have to second that, although I did see, like, recently, I think uh, Fred Gutenberg and Moms Demand Action were going after the uh, NSFF. Which is like, I mean, come on, they're a retail trade association citing statistics about gun ownership that you don't like, which was, you know, kind of the impetus for them going after them in the piece that I read. Because um, it was like, a, it was an article about, you know, minority gun ownership on the rise. And, uh, you know, Shannon Watts uh, said something to the effect that this is, you know, just like gun industry propaganda, pay to mind, you know, and I don't know. So I guess yeah. if the NRA goes away, NSFF is next uh, with a target well, on their back. I've noticed that Shannon Watts hasn't picked any Twitter fights with FPC, and I can't help but wonder why. Oh, wait, I know why. They'd bitch slap her. And I mean that in a completely uh, gender-neutral sense. I mean the type of slap that you give to somebody who is acting like a complete and total idiot. Uh, they would shut her down, just like they do for pretty much everybody else who expresses a stupid opinion around guns, and I think they might have learned better than to start that fight. Well, that or, you know, she probably blocked them, honestly. I mean, she blocked us, and she planted mom's demand action, our guest uh, from last week. Um, she kind of has a habit of doing that, like just basically <clears throat> blocking anybody who uh, calls her out. You know, I don't think she's blocked me. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, you, you've got the answer. I am also an enigma on Twitter. I should follow. Let's, let's fix this. Yeah. Speed run. Who can get blocked first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's see. Hey, Shannon. Ah, okay. I'm I'm drawing a blank now. Come on, I need some material, folks. Let's go. Um, yeah, are you um, considering starting an organization called Moms Demand Double Action? If so, please send nudes. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Hey, Shannon. Uh, just want to know if you're still demanding action uh i don't like you very much and you're wrong about guns uh very nice molan labe <laughs> We'll, we'll have to check in next week to see, uh, you know, timing between message sent and uh, blocked. Unfortunately, I do have to head out for now. Okay. Well, honestly, like, we're basically done because we don't have a weird gun of the week and we don't have an audience. So this seems like an appropriate time to end it uh, with their... Who can if I uh, if I can make statement. one more comment, uh, just for anyone listening and anyone who may be new into the the gun community and you know firearms ownership, 
by a 1022. By a 1022. It is, in my opinion, a very great starter platform uh, for firearms. Great way to get other people into firearms. And the process of maintaining it, using it, and becoming proficient with it uh, opens your avenues to all different uh, focuses and um, departments of gun ownership from hunting to self-defense to target shooting. This is my weekly PSA. Nice. I, I, I will say that uh, I almost got a 1022 version of the M&P 15, but they were sold out, so I just went straight to the uh, 556-223 version because... <laughs> Quite a jump. So, yeah, pretty pretty big jump. <laughs> it was kind of an impulse buy. I was just like, oh my god, this is in stock. I, I guess I will get this since I cannot get the 22 version. So... <laughs> All right, well... Uh, you have good timing, Bobby. Or sorry, good timing, Eugene, because we're almost done for the week. Uh, we just have one more very wonderful thing to talk about, and that is black women are driving gun sales. Hell yes, beautiful. Yeah, so uh, that's yeah, what I like gun to hear. purchases by black men and black women increased by more than fifty-eight percent over the first six months of twenty twenty. That is so cool. I, I, I can't express in words how how awesome that is. Traditionally, black people have been uh, neglected by Second Amendment advocacy groups and lawmakers. And uh, we live in a time where people are demanding equality more and more loudly. And now they're voting with their feet and their trigger fingers and not just their, uh, not just their ballots, which is absolutely wonderful to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I I really hope we can like meet up with Naga at some point. Um, the uh, the Reload podcast actually featured uh, their president a uh, week before last, uh, and it was really really good conversation. Like really bright guy and really cool organization. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of leading the charge in terms of uh, black gun ownership, which is uh, fantastic. Uh, speaking of news items, actually, I have one more to add. Um, if you do like the Reload podcast, uh, we were all featured on it uh, last week. Um, they do weekly episodes there. It's a really great site, great content. So uh, if you wanted to check out us uh, in slightly lower audio quality uh, with Stephen Katowski from The Reload, uh, head on over to that. It's The Reload podcast. And uh, yeah, good time was had by all. Cool. Well, um, I, I know that Eugene had to drop off there, but uh, you know we do, we can do weird gut of the week. Um, I don't have one. I'm just trying to think. Do we have one? We did the zip twenty two last time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think today might be a bit bit more of a mini episode. Or about. Or about. Yeah. Uh, mini episode for sure. Oh well. Uh, I'm I'll, just trying to stretch uh, for another two and a half minutes so we can get it to you know an even thirty. It will. It will take some cutting. Uh Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, intro and outro. All right. Well. Yep. Good enough for right. me. Cool. Good All enough right. for us. All right. Well. Uh. Thanks. Thank you, listeners. Uh. You know, this has been the AAPI Go Cast. Be sure to check us out at aapigo.net. Uh. Like I mentioned, check us out on the Reload. And uh. Actually, our last week's episode, if you haven't listened to that too, is a great one as well with uh Mom at Arms and uh. 
the Pew Pew Jew. So um, speaking of which, if you wanted to be uh, featured as a guest on the podcast, drop us a line at info at aapigo.net um, or uh, visit our registration contact us form if you want to get involved and uh, volunteer within the organization. Uh, in particular, we're just looking for, you know, anybody who's wanting to, you know, lend some time to develop the site, do content, blog, etc. You name it, whatever you want to do, we're down for uh, your help and assistance. Um, so that's really all it. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe us on all of our social media channels and uh, leave a glowing review for us on iTunes. Take care, everyone, and uh, have a good rest of your week. And with that, already. Yep. All right, cool. It's been real. See how this, uh, it's.